Okay, so just so that you all know, Brienne and I are pro-therapy. We believe that you don't really need a reason for therapy. Just go to therapy. So I have found my therapist, and her name is Sadia Turney. I really need to schedule an appointment with her. We talked to Sadia today, and I fell in love. She's not just your regular, let me put a clinical diagnosis on you type therapist. She really makes a point to understand what's going on in her patients' lives. So I hope that you all enjoy listening to us talk with Sadia as much as we enjoy talking to Sadia. So grab that cup of coffee or tea or water, sit back or drive or do whatever it is you do. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation. A married mom of two, want-to-be Martha Stewart, who would rather spend her time planning elaborate dinner parties, when in reality, I'm procrastinating about making my family matching t-shirts with my cricket maker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brianne, and I'm an HGTV and Hallmark Channel junkie. I currently live in Houston, Texas with my husband and three young kids. What about being from the Bronx? Oh, you made fun of me last time I said it, so it's nice to make out. Well, now they know. Brianne's from the Bronx. The boogie down. Hey, guys. So today we're here with a therapist, and her name is Sadia, and we like to talk about therapy and women and children. So, um, Sadia, let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about after birth. Well, should Sadia tell us about herself first? Sadia, thank you. You're <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Tell us about yourself, and then I'll ask questions. Exactly, that's what okay. is Sadia. Well, Sadia is a licensed therapist. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I've been in practice for about 11 years, um, and I started off doing a lot of nonprofit work, working with children, specifically in the area of trauma and sexual abuse, um, helping them kind of heal through that and their families. And then after I had my own kids, I went into private practice full-time where I primarily see um, women of all ages at different phases of their life. So I have a lot of professional women that are um, new moms trying to juggle the new responsibilities of life. I have women that are, I have a lot of millennials now, kind of trying to <laughs> figure out their direction in life. They need um, some help. So I have men scattered around, but mainly women and uh, couples. I do see a lot of couples. Okay. That's me. So, so um, that sounds really interesting. It does. <laughs> I have so many questions. I know. I'm like, now I have more questions. Can we make this a free console? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I could see you coming back in the future for more questions um, that we may not be able to get to today. But sure. yeah, so let's start at the beginning. You talked about working with... Um, young mothers and um what are some things that you see with young mothers that actually come in you, you see it repeated young mothers or new mothers young yes young, young mothers meaning new mothers young in the parenting i, I tell, young in the parenting <laughs> world i like to think of myself as a young mother well I, that. I do tell parents all the time or the moms all the time that you've just birthed yourself so right. this is true. a whole new journey for you um 
So you said, what do I primarily see? Like, what are some things that bring women in? Well, I will say in, in that area, a lot of my referrals come from OBGYNs. Okay. Have their checkups with their doctors, um, their postpartum visits, and they're showing signs of postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. Um, and maybe not even at a clinical diagnosable level, but just things aren't right. They're having a hard time navigating this new life and this new identity that they have. Um, so yeah. So what are some of the signs? Like what are, what are some things that bring them in from the OBGYN? Um, I can say typically their sessions or their, their, um, appointments with their doctors are them crying the whole time. Oh. You know? So oh. it's just a, um, kind of an emotional overload that they're not able to manage or use their old coping skills aren't working for this new area of their life. So they're feeling overwhelmed. They're not sleeping, uh, which most new moms aren't sleeping, but this is even when you get the opportunity to sleep, you can't shut your mind off. So mm, there's, that is true. Yeah. There's an extreme sleep deprivation. Um, worries about something happening to their child um, beyond just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very thin line between what's normal postpartum angst. Yeah. And what is clinically diagnosable, but these are things that interfere with their normal functioning. Like they can't engage in conversations with people. They don't want to leave the house. Um, it's hard just to go to the grocery store. They don't want to let in-laws hold the baby. It's just these really irrational fears and anxieties that kind of take over their lives. Um, you know, thoughts about suicide come up a lot, but not necessarily, I don't see women that are like postpartum psychosis, right? The okay. ones that are extremely extreme that are going to, that truly are, will harm their children. Um, I see women that just somehow feel really alone, you know, motherhood, mm -hmm being a new mom is extremely isolating. Right. So it can go to the extreme of feeling like you have no one. Um, you'd be better, the baby would be better off without you. Um, so a lot of these women come in knowing that they will never harm themselves, but being fearful that these thoughts are even swimming around in their heads. What do you think causes it? And I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, are women truly prepared for the changes that will accompany birth? Are we not doing enough? We're not having the conversations? Or is there a disconnect? What do you think contributes to it? Or is it just hormones? Ooh, I think that's a, there are many layers to it. Um, to answer your question, I do think we're not prepared. And I say we because I'm a mom with young kids. I was not prepared. Um, but I also don't think it's something you can truly prepare for right. how you are going to respond um, after your child is here is very different from how you think you're going to respond. That right. is true. It's so true. Cause I just remember thinking, I didn't understand the lack of sleep and sleep deprivation. People couldn't, couldn't really explain yeah. that to me. And I didn't understand how much help I would need mm -hmm. or, um, how much support I guess I needed. I, I, I did not know that. And I don't even think I would be able to receive that information beforehand. I agree. I would be like, well, you know, I read that book. <laughs> yes. And this book said, oh, I was, and I was lucky because I did have a very easy child. So I was kind of an annoying new mom because my baby <laughs> slept 
through the night at well through the night at six straight hours. Two months old. Well, that's so good. Like, that's good. Not too much. Yeah, two months old. So and I didn't have to do anything to have that. So I was like, I'm clearly doing it correctly. Let me tell you how you need to do Which it. Which child gave you your wake up call? Oh, my second. The second one's always <laughs> too. The first one's tricky. But I, I think the word that you use is support and being open to ask for support, knowing when you need help. And depending on who you were before you even got pregnant and had kids, that could be a struggle in and of itself for a lot of women. So being that I've done trauma work before, there are people that have come in with just a lack of trust for people in general. Um, so asking for help and trusting your baby to someone or allowing people to come into your home is very foreign and also very overwhelming. Um, so that I feel feel like they're getting judged. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah, so like my much house judgment. Is a mess. Don't come over yet, or <laughs> they're apologizing to me when I go visit new moms, and there is nothing to apologize for. I mean, I can apologize now that my kids are three years old, and there's like dirt from like Saturday. And you know, no, still no, 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 there's that whole bounce back. Your body's going to bounce back. Your life is going to bounce back. I'm like, you're not bouncing back to anything. You're creating something completely new and you have to be open to that. And that's challenging because it, motherhood to a certain extent strips you of the identity that you had before. Mm -hmm. And you have to embrace this unknown and the unknown for a lot of people is, right. is scary. So there's a lot of judgment. Um, you know, if I, Sometimes I'll have some of the moms list out kind of, well, what are your expectations? And it's, well, I want to you know, make my own baby food and I want to be able to work out and I want to, I still need to be there for my husband and you know, <laughs> my sister calls That's and I need to be that. there for her. And it's like, and you're going to do this all in like one day or is this like a weekly plan? And the idea is like, well, I see other people doing it. Some people can manage all of that. There's personality, there's temperament, there's all sorts of things. But what is your path and what is your direction? And that's unique to the individual. Individual, You may not be able to accomplish all of that in a day, and that doesn't mean you're failing. Right. And not right now, like, you have to pace yourself, like you said, like, not in a day. But I, I also worry about when I say support, like, as far as people who are around you, um, like you said, their cousin or their sister may call them and ask for things. I, I actually lost a friend in, like, after I had children because she thought I wasn't there for her anymore. Because you didn't pick up the phone. Because I understand because I don't want to call a person who's had a baby and I, I'll text people, but... Right, she said texting wasn't enough. I'm like, well, do you really want to have a conversation with me and children are talking And you don't know if a person is trying to nurse and I guess thinking about how it was during those first few days, if it was difficult for me, I wouldn't want to intrude because you never know what's going on with the person, what their mental state is, do they have help? 
where they are. And sometimes a ringing phone, I know a ringing phone for me just throws me off completely. It makes me almost anxious. I feel as if I have to answer it. And so maybe I'm projecting my own feelings onto other people when I don't choose the call, but I always consider myself being considerate and I have a feeling that's what you were doing with your friend. No, she was mad oh. at me for not calling her. That's what I'm saying. You were being considerate. No, no, no. She didn't have any baby. Oh, oh baby. I had the new oh, baby. Oh, I'm sorry. My children are close together, so it just, I was always having it. You know, I guess she got tired of that. She's like, you know. How many years do I have to wait How many years do I have to wait for this friend? Exactly. And I'm like, I guess for never. I guess you just, you're gone now. But um, so I'm, going, I'm getting towards not just the new moms, what they expect of themselves, but the people around them. Like, do you yes. find that people around new moms are also expecting a lot of the new mom? And that's one of the reasons they're, they're breaking down and needing to get help. They're, yes. And I don't know if the word breaking down is appropriate, but well, having yeah, a breakdown. I'm like, sometimes you have breakdowns. I still have breakdowns. And my kids are three and six. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, sometimes it's just a lack of understanding, especially if you have people that don't have kids of their own or at a different stage of life than the expectation of, there's not really a true understanding of why you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, everyone's different. So I have two really close friends that are always on the phone together. One has young kids around the same age as mine and the other one doesn't have kids and they talk all the time. Mm -hmm. That works. Me, I can't be on the phone with my kids around. It gives We're me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking our heads. No. no, I can't. It gives me anxiety. I'm, I'm halfway through a sentence and getting interrupted. And so there has to be an openness to know, well, just because she can do it doesn't mean that I can do it. Like my relationship with you, with you will look very different than your relationship with her because we manage things differently. Um, so I do think that, yeah, there's a lack of understanding. Um, and this idea of you just should be able to, my mom did it. You know, my mom didn't have this issue or Wait, I don't know who these moms are, but, but they I weren't so also weren't cell phones and people weren't as entirely connected and maybe I'm th overthinking this, but I don't think people spend as much time on the phone mm -hmm. either. And I think moms forget. I, I would ask my mom things about my baby and I'd be like, well, what did you do? And she's like, my mom would be honest. She's like, I don't remember. She's like, you're 33. <laughs> I had you 33 years ago. I don't know what I did. And life was slower, right? There were less demands. A lot of women didn't work, um, which is another component for the working mom. And I do think that those women still felt the same emotions. There just wasn't, they weren't able to express it as right. much. Um, but like I said, there are layers to that. So that the support of people in your circle um, plays a huge role. But then I also think of how you, the pressures that you put on yourself plays a huge role in your health. Like I, I stress the importance of things outside of just your thoughts and your feelings, like your actual physical body. What state were you in before you had your baby? You know, what um, kind of in your family line, what things are you more susceptible to? Because everybody has a tipping point. So I may be able to take stress at a 10, whereas because of you and your genetics and your, just your makeup, you may be able to take stress at a five. Okay. So whereas a, having a baby may not, push me over the edge into postpartum depression in terms of like hormonal imbalances or neurotransmitter imbalances. It may push you over. So I think it's important to know that there's other factors going into having a baby that play a role in how you're going to do in the postpartum. Right. 
So now, how do you deal with seeing your friend who's, I don't know, starting a cake making business? Oh, we have a friend. Do you have a friend? Do you have a friend? <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I thought you knew this, this person I'm thinking of. She's awesome. She started a cake baking business when she was on maternity leave. Well, how do you, I mean, and people see those things all the time. If you're mm -hmm. saying that they start these, um, you, you see it on Facebook and of course Facebook or, and social media is always the best of your life. But even if you don't, it's not social media, you just, you're in this person's life and you see that they are handling it. It's mm -hmm. not false. Um, and you're not how, and, I'm at your office. Like how, like what would you say to make that person feel better? Well, I don't think therapy is about making anybody feel better. I think therapy is a space where you learn who you are as a person and become comfortable with that. So right. you move into feeling just better about yourself. Right. right. So, and that's a, that's a process because all those things are hard. Like we put expectations, we see these things, so why can't I? But the reality is she may be able to do that. I had a colleague that called me after her C-section, like 15 minutes after her C-section. She's like, hey, can you call this client for me? I'm like, didn't you just post a picture? Like your baby was just born. That's her. So I couldn't handle that. She can handle that. And if you're judging your life based on what you're seeing in somebody else's life, which we all know you shouldn't do, even though right. it's hard. I mean, you're always going to feel like you're not enough. There's always somebody in the world doing something that's going to make you feel like you're not enough, which adds more to it. So it's creating those boundaries. Sometimes it is. I do tell moms, if social media, if you pick it up and you're scrolling through things and you're not feeling like connected and if you're not feeling like, oh, look at that cute picture, but you pick it up and you're starting to get down on yourself, then you know that's a boundary that you have to hide. Right. That's not for you right now. Maybe at some point, but not right now because you're absorbing all of those things and making yourself feel like you're not good enough and you're doing fine. Right. So yeah, there's, um, yeah. So I think those, those expectations that we place on ourselves can be a huge, a huge challenge, but that's what therapy is. Right. Okay. And so, um, moving on, like, I also want to know about, we're talking about new moms, but what about further down the line when your kid is, I don't know, three, four, or I guess well, two, or, or 12? <laughs> like, when did, as far as postpartum depression is concerned, like, what exactly is it? Like, when can it, like, when are you no longer in, the in danger of that? Or it's just regular depression? That you see? Ooh, that's, I, I want to say the, it's two years, I believe. The last time I read, it was somewhere in that two year. Okay. Right. So you can be happy, 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 and then one day it just hits you. And I don't necessarily think it works like that. Okay. For most of the people, and postpartum depression as well as regular depression, you know, you hear a lot, it's depression when everything in your life is good. You have a job, you have your family, you have everything, and then you just feel miserable. But if you peel back the layers to that, you weren't feeling really good. You had all the stuff, but you were overworked, you were, had no boundaries, you weren't be able to speak your mind. So all of these things are like underneath, below the surface that eventually, like I said, there's a tipping point. Then one day you wake up and you're like, your body, your mind literally says, I can't support you anymore. Right. And it shuts everything down. Depression is one of those things that shuts everything down and makes you go inward. And some people need that. You've been so outward focused right. that depression is the thing that's going to make you say, hey, pay attention. Like There's something right. going on inside of you that we need to address. So I don't necessarily think it's you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then one day that you wake up, I think it's 
it's just a load that you think I can do it. I can do it. I'm doing it. And it gets too heavy to carry. Right. And so is there a difference between the regular depression and postpartum depression or it's just around it. The only difference is, um, that the postpartum depression is diagnosed after, after you have a baby. That's right. The, the symptom, symptomology is, is pretty much the same. Because on TV, when they, they say things like, oh, I had postpartum depression, and then I took some medication, I'm like, okay, and then, what, three years later, it just went away? <laughs> like, there's no, no one ever talks about afterwards. I'm like, does yeah. it disappear at, at some point? So, you know, depression is one of those topics that I think every clinician looks at differently. I do feel that um, it goes away because hopefully you've gotten treatment, whether that's through medication, therapy, a combination of both. But you've also incorporated different things into your life. You've learned different skills so that you're not going to be susceptible to um, getting to that level of overload anymore. So you've learned how to ask for help. You've learned how to get rest. You've learned how to create boundaries. You've learned how to do all these things. So three years later, you're like, I don't have depression. I'm, mm. It's gone. It's like, your life is different. Okay. You have the tools. So sometimes when a person has depression, it, I guess it appears in episodes. Mm -hmm. Are, does that, is that consistent with postpartum depression? Or if, as you say, the person learns, I guess, strategies and they manage it, will it come back, I guess, and be considered depression at a later date or with postpartum depression? once you've managed to cope or incorporate strategies, is it just gone for good? Either type of depression can come back at a later time. Okay. Now the core, the onset, the reason, the well, I guess the, the trigger for that may be different. Okay. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be a loss of a job. It could be, I don't know, transition. Your kids are grown now and you're an empty nester. Uh, I see a lot of depression in that area. Um, so yeah, there could be a, Oh my God, I've been looking forward to emptiness. Oh, I'm not. I, 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 oh, I don't even want to think about my children leaving home. It's a huge identity shift again. It Who is. am I now that I'm not a mom. a mom? And it's like, that's what I've wanted to be my whole life as a mom. So I, I don't know. Maybe, um, I don't know. But we, um, we need to take a break and we'll come back and finish discussing mental health and women. Exactly. So we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back, and I have a question from a listener, um, and I'm going to paraphrase, but I have a listener. We have a listener who has children. <coughs> she loves her children, but her children are children. and can be overwhelming. She has a husband, a great husband, but like husbands, they can be annoying, but she spends a lot of time with her children, and she also has health problems, so in her words, she's always in pain. It's, there's never very many moments where she's just not suffering from something that's going on. And she's not really happy. She's not unhappy, but she's not just happy. And I was telling her, so this is my unprofessional opinion, that she needs something for herself because everything centers around her children and what she does. I mean, she goes out with friends, but this is someone who is very educated. She loves life, but she, I don't feel like she just has a passion. And I'm thinking maybe if she had a passion, 
it might alleviate some of her pain. Does that make sense? Sometimes Absolutely. if it's something that you, you, yeah. you're passionate about doing, you're focused on it, and it takes that pressure off of yourself. So what, is some, what would you say to someone in that situation? Um, or do you want me to just give her your number? <laughs> <laughs> you can give her my number. Okay. No, but it is, it is for clients that are sitting in front of me, it's a longer process than that, right? Because okay. you want to take time understanding her and what that means to her. There's a reason why someone becomes so kind of hyper-focused on the people around them. Is that how they grew up? Like, what is their belief system around that? Like, and uh, and I, I would want to know, I'd be curious about if she thinks it's selfish to have an identity outside of her role as mother and outside of her role as wife, and where does that come from? Um, but you're absolutely right. There, you get drained from just pouring out and pouring out. And if you don't have something, it doesn't have to be a passion. It could just be a curiosity. Like, I want to do this today, or I'm interested in this. A space where you, your needs are met. A space where you're being nurtured. A space where you're getting filled up. A space where your wants are being addressed. Um, that fills you up so you can go back into those roles and feel better about your annoying husband and your overwhelming <laughs> children, right? I mean, it, you're able to handle those things a lot better when you're feeling good. When you wake up feeling right. like good and positive, like I know who I am and life is, and your kid's coming in the room and they have like spilled stuff <laughs> and your husband's talking about stuff you don't care about. Like, I got this. But when you're already on edge, it could be anything. Your kid could spill water and you right. lose it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I would encourage her and, you know, you go through the journey of figuring out how do you put you back on the table and feel really good about that. And I also think it's important for women to look at it from the perspective of you're not only raising your children, right? These are going to be adults one day. And the messaging that you're giving them is that when they get older, they need to turn their lives over to other people. And no parent really wants that message. No. Like they want their kids to grow up being, you know, good people and caring and serving, but also knowing that their needs and their voice matters. And they learn by you modeling that behavior. That is true. Yeah. So that's what I would tell her. Okay. Well, I'm going to make sure I tell her. Actually, um, we were messaging, so she probably will call you. Like, I found someone for you. <laughs> That's my favorite thing to talk about. I love, um, I love that feeling of when women, like, it clicks, and they're like, oh, I can say no to this, or I don't have to do that, right. or I can choose this for myself. And it, it doesn't take away from anything. It just adds to all of those relationships in their right. lives. And this gives me, leads me to a question. So what about friends? What could you say to a friend who sees a friend in crisis or a friend who's going through something and maybe their friend doesn't know that they're, that they're going through a phase? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so you're looking at it as an, outside, as an outside party. How can you communicate that to someone that maybe you should get counseling or maybe you should seek therapy? I mean, I think if it's a, if it's a healthy friendship and that person kind of knows you have their back, then it's just kind of like, you know, I've noticed certain things about you or I've noticed that you don't seem as happy and as energized as you used to be. Right. Like, are you, and just ask questions. Are you feeling overwhelmed? Like what's going on in your life? Or you might use yourself as an example. I find it helpful to talk to someone about that. Do you have an outlet? And just kind of, I say, just plant the seed. 
put it out there. Everybody decides what they are going to do for themselves in their own time. You don't want to force them and say it over and over and over again, but just kind of put it out there and let them sit and process that, which a lot of people do, you know, in their own time at a later time. That is true. Right. And I know we talked about depression and, um, questions from listeners, but what are other reasons to see a therapist? Being human. (laughs) (laughs) Just because you breathe. If you are human. So it, okay. And I will say this, it doesn't have to be a therapist. It can be a life coach. It could be a, um, someone in that realm in your church. It could, no, but I think it does need to be someone beyond a friend and a family member because their biases, their blind spots, they see you in one way. And therapists are really trained in looking at patterns. If you can talk to them about something that happens to you in year five, and then three weeks later, you're talking to them about a relationship that you're in now, and they're able to kind of thread that through, like see the threads like, oh, well, this makes sense. They help give you insight and help things make sense to you. Um, so, and I don't think, actually, I, I, in a perfect world, <laughs> if I was like queen for a day, um, it would be a part of just general healthcare. Just like every six months you get your teeth clean, like once a year you have a physical. Well, every quarter you check in with this person. You know, it's always good to have just a, like a mind dump. And if you're wanting someone to give you feedback, which is always good, then there's somebody there to, to give you feedback. So things don't get to the point of depression or clinical anxiety or those are the things I see the most. I'm like, what other mental health illnesses are there? Those are the main ones right now. Um, within America, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so what's the difference between clinical? Cause you keep using the term clinical. It's diagnosable. So you meet a certain criteria in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Health. So it's it's basically the criteria that you have to follow. So for depression, it would say something like, you mean to meet three out of the five following blah, blah, blah. And someone may not meet three. They may meet two, but there's still something going on, right? right? Like you're not diet, you don't have anxiety where I may refer you to a psychiatrist um, or a holistic doctor or whatever your choice is for that, but um, you're still really uneasy. Like you're not sleeping at night. Right. Like it's, you're getting three hours of sleep every night because you can't turn your mind off. Well, that can spiral into something a lot bigger, but it may not be clinical just because you have a busy mind. Right. And how does someone find a therapist? <clears throat> Um, well, for people that have insurance, I, I would, I always recommend just go on the website for your insurance provider and they'll have a, you can filter it in terms of what type of therapy you're wanting, um, and find someone that way. There's lots of nonprofit agencies, um, hospitals are good. Like Texas Children's has a, a lot of different programs for like autism and a variety of programs, but, um, there is a link and I'm going to have to share it with you guys later. Um, so you can, I don't know if you can post it or something like that, that, um, list all of the free and low, um, low fee services around the Houston, around the Houston area. And I was telling you guys before there was, I put out a message to all the therapists on social media. Like, do you guys know of any resources? I'm going on podcasts and I want to provide more than what I know. And it was like a, blood uh, so they're out there like there are services for people um with 
anything, therapy is kind of like a, it's, you have to have a connection with the person. So just because you go to therapy one time and you're like, eh, I didn't really like that person. Doesn't mean that therapy is not for you. It just means that that therapist is not for you. I'm not for everyone. Every therapist will not be for every person. You have to find a good fit and it's an interview process and you have every right to say, no, okay, that was great. I don't have to come back. You don't have to come back. Um, so insurance, we'll send you, I'll send you guys the link to that. And you know, there's psychology today for people that have, um, a little bit more financial means that psychology today has insurance based clinicians, but it also has private pay clinicians and you can see their pictures. They write a bio, um, you can find them that way. And I just want to say one thing for private pay clinicians. Someone, a lot of people ask me, well, why would someone with insurance come see you if you don't take insurance? Uh, because they don't have to have that diagnosis. So as long as you're seeing a therapist that is taking insurance, you have to be diagnosed with something. Right. Insurance won't cover it. So a lot of people just are like, you know what? I don't feel like I have anything. I just want a space. So I'm going to pay for it. Like they pay I'll for pay. a class or to right. go to movies. Um, my personal belief, even when I was in nonprofit, um, and we had all free services, which I think is beautiful to be able to provide. I do think you value more what you pay for. Hmm, um, even if it's, if you know, scale. $5 for every missed appointment, you know, you, your mental health is something you should take seriously and, and value. And therapy is not supposed to necessarily be this indefinite thing that you have to go every single week. Um, so when people are paying even just a small fraction of what they, you know, what their income is for that. I, you tend to see less no-shows. There tends to be more commitment and follow-through with, like, homework assignments and things like that. Yeah. I think that's true with anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think about um, when I was going to get um, lactation. 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 Someone, I didn't trust them with the doctor cause I, at, at the hospitals. I didn't trust them <laughs> at all because I had such a hard it was a hard time trying to breastfeed in the hospital. So I just decided that lactation consultants were just not for me. And someone said, well, you know, Wick has them and they're free. I'm like, well, if they're free. Then maybe I'll give it a go. And I just remember that they would call me and be like, well, how are you getting to us? Where are you getting to us? Like, do you need, do you need us to like give you directions? And it was just all this assistance to get, I'm like, I can just, look at my phone but that must have been their experience because it was free there was a lot of no shows so they kept on making sure there was no reason i couldn't show sure. up mm-hmm. so um, and also a lack of it's maybe a lack, a lack of education a lack of transportation because when you were saying those things sometimes people might not have the means to get there no car right. like, yeah you know the bus route to get yeah right there's a lot of times i've heard people say that oh they make an appointment somewhere and then it's on the other side of town and they have to park right I'll tell you when I tell people I have a cancellation fee um, for people that I take Blue Cross Blue Shield. So for people that um, are using their insurance, my cancellation fee is more than their copay. Mm. And when I'm like, well, just a reminder, because you're canceling yeah, 15 minutes before your appointment, there's a cancellation fee. And when I tell them how much it is, they're like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll be there. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you were saying how we think therapy is really important in our lives today. When it comes to children, do you think children's 
um, should see therapists or how like we're raising children to yeah. to be adults and it, in the adult world in America with stresses and so forth we're thinking therapy should just some should be a part of our lives somewhere um, should be introduced into our children at what age at what age, age or no we shouldn't unless there are problems and what are some of the problems that you should Ooh, that's a loaded question. So we're talking about people. So there are always layers. Um, in a nutshell, yes. Um, teaching your kids to be good consumers of mental health is important. That they're mm -hmm. to destigmatize it um, is important. I don't think um, what I run into a lot is normal childlike behavior is often met with Oh my gosh, what's wrong with my kid? Do I need to get them into a therapist? So a lack of understanding of child development. Yes. Um, or it's such good parents that at least they want to know. It's very, it's, you it's, know, it could be the <laughs> other way around. So it, it is. And I, I would rather parents be more on that end versus right. there's an issue that's not being addressed, but not every child, uh, uncomfortable <laughs> child behavior needs a therapist to get involved in. Now, I would say, I'm happy thinking I hear about my job. It's like, oh, he's fits. You want him? <laughs> session help? It's like, no, thank you. I don't think it's better. But I do. So I would say, if I had to kind of put it in some sort of box, under the age of five, now, okay, under the age of five, I would want to see the parents first. Right. Most child issues are related to family dynamics of sort. Or I won't say most, a lot of them. Um, that's not to say that children under five can't go to therapy. They're wonderful play therapists. I used to be a play therapist, um, but I dealt with kids that had, you know, um, trauma in their lives and their parents weren't trained on how to address those traumas but still the parents were incorporated in almost every single session at the end of right. a session of bringing the parents in because you're a kid it doesn't matter what a therapist does in an hour they could be phenomenal if they go home and you plop them back into the, the same, same environment, environment nothing changes nothing nothing like changes like the parents all the time. in fact they get more confused and sometimes it's not it's it's worse for them because you're teaching them you know, boundaries, you're teaching them certain skills, you're helping them open up and express themselves more, and then you're putting them in an environment with people that may not be able to receive that in a healthy way, so they almost get penalized for the very oh. things that you're telling them are healthy to do. So it has to be a family. Um, I think with little kids, it also has to incorporate family therapy as right. well. As you're getting older, um, as kids get older and like between teen ages, I think it's important to just establish a relationship with the therapist. There's certain things that kids aren't going to just naturally want to tell their parents. And it's hard to turn off the parent thing when your 12 year old girl is talking about dating some guy and that's completely against everything that you believe in. And how do you listen to that without parenting and that, right? And, and that's hard. That is hard. So it is helpful to have a space where they can go to talk to an adult who's also kind of gently and carefully like imparting some education about situations like that where it doesn't feel like a parent. Yeah, that's so, so true. It's so important. It is. Right. So, you know, a lot of parents are like, they, my kid talk to you? They never talk to me. I'm like, that's like, not their parent. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going, 
to punish them. I'm not going to take anything away. And it's not even because you're a bad parent, you're doing that, but because your role is to have these boundaries and this structure in their lives. And they come here and they get a space to, to release and kind of think about things in a different way while you have adult eyes paying attention to it. Right. So it's, I mean, like a lot of people have aunts for that, but I guess if you're in a situation, so what's the difference between the aunt and the therapist, just teaching your child to like destigmatize the idea of therapy. I think that part, um, <laughs> I think, you know, there's also, like I said, there's certain patterns that you still pick up in kids. There's certain, you know, mm. cognitive distortions that are starting to develop in that age and certain types of thinking that an aunt may not pick up on. Right. Like, you know, like, okay. Oh, you know, you're doing a lot of black and white thinking. Does it have to be this or this? Is there a gray in the middle of that? You know, just, different sort of strategies that are used in those sessions. Um, and then also kids are dealing with a lot of anxiety. And I think sending a kid to therapy for those sorts of clinical diagnosis, anxiety and depression, so they can learn healthy coping skills when they're younger is a lot better than waiting until um, later in life to right. kind of undo all of that. And that sounds like a whole another show topic. <laughs> So, but um, our time is starting to dwindle down. So, thank you so much for for coming here and sharing with us. Thank you for having me. This is fun. I love talking about this stuff. I love listening. I really did. I enjoyed listening today because I feel as if I learned a lot. And as Brianne says, I think we will have to have you come back on because I want to talk about. Even though you say child children aren't your thing, it would be nice to hear more about your experiences with play therapy. And I also want one last question. What do you like most about your job? Um, I love the aha, aha moments. Aha moments. Mm. Okay. Can you? I love when things, and that's honestly why I stopped working with kids as much because they don't have as much insight. Okay. Um, which is just the part that I love the most. Okay. Um, but I love that moment where things just start to click for people in their lives and they start making shifts. And they, you can tell in their whole demeanor, the way they look, the way they dress, the way they walk through the door that, you know, I feel good about who I am. I think everybody deserves to feel good. Not that life isn't hard, not that things aren't going to happen, but everybody deserves to still feel really good in the midst of all the crazy of life um, and being able to facilitate that process for people is what I love the most. podcast is over, but that does not mean that the conversation has to end. Connect with Brianne and I on Instagram at mommy, where is my shoe? Or you may email us at podcast at mommy, where is my We also have a website, so check it out. www.mommy, where is my Before you go, do us a favor. If you like mommy, where is my shoe, the podcast, please rate us in your app. And if you don't like it, email us at podcast at mommy, and tell us why. Either way, thank you for the feedback. Goodbye.